Are you guys in a good mood today or what? Um, I know several of you have probably been off work for an extended period of time. I uh, hope you had a great Christmas. I hope you enjoyed some time with family. I hope you got everything that you wanted. Um, and so we're excited. Uh, this, is, this is it. This is the last, last service of 2018. Uh, before I dive into the message today, um, I want to, obviously I'm not Kevin. He's taking the weekend off, um, him and Robbie. And so, but before I dive in today, uh, I want to tell you guys about something coming up and starting next weekend that's super important and exciting for us. Uh, next weekend starts our week of prayer and fasting here at New Life. And uh, this is a special time of year for it. We always love starting out the year in this fashion where we just take time and just, just set, up our, set ourselves up well for the year by praying and fasting. We're doing things a little bit differently this year. Uh, we're gonna have several different opportunities. You see them on the screen there. Uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we're gonna do uh, Facebook Live devotionals at seven o'clock in the evening. And so uh, we encourage you, mark your calendar, set a reminder, join us on Facebook Live. Uh, if you can, try to, do it, try to join us live. You can always watch the replay if you've got something going on, but there's nothing like coming together live. And so uh, you can comment your prayer requests. You can, you can talk to whoever's leading the devotional. They can answer some questions as well. And so mark your calendars for that. It's always a special time. And then we're going to do something different this year. We're going to have 7 a.m. I know some of you went 7 a.m. Yes, 7 a.m. on Tuesday and Thursday. We're going to have live worship here that morning. And so we're going to have live kind of like an acoustics kind of set worship. Uh, we're going to have prayer together as a church, uh, probably some kind of a devotional. We're going to take communion together, and there will be free breakfast, so you can get your food on. I know that, that's going to draw some people in just for food. Um, and so come worship with us. Come before work. Just get up a little early that, those two days of that week. Uh, come worship together with us. Uh, pray together. Take communion, and then you can go drop the kids off at school, go to work. Uh, whatever you need to do. Then we're going to close out the week on next, that next Sunday, Sunday, uh, January 13th. Um, that says 7 p.m. It should say 6 p.m. Uh, with a night of worship. And so we're going to have one big worship night that night. We're also going to do water baptism. And so if you'd like to be water baptized, text the word water to 88,000 to sign up for that. It's always a special night when we can come together and do that as a church. So mark your calendar for that whole week. It's going to be a fun time. Uh, we're just excited to start the year off right with prayer. And, uh, and get us on the right track for 2019. Um, well, like I said, it's the last service of 2018. Um, I'm not sure what kind of year that you've had. Uh, it's been a pretty good year for, for my wife, Lauren, and I. Um, just, you know, some updates, just to update you guys. We're all family, right? Uh, this, this year was a good year. We, we bought a new house this year. We got to move and did all those things. And for some of you, maybe you had a great year. Maybe it was a banner year for you. Maybe you had a baby uh, maybe you bought a new house, maybe you got a new job, got a pay raise, maybe just things went really, you got to take a great vacation. Uh, it was just a great year. You look back uh, at 2018 going, that was a great year for us and our family. But maybe for some of you, you look at 2018 and say, I cannot wait for Tuesday to get here so we can move past this year. Maybe, maybe there was, you suffered loss in your family. Maybe you lost your job. Uh, maybe you, there were some relationships that you had that ended. Maybe things just did not go your way. You seemed like there was struggle and hardship at every turn. Whatever kind of year you had, though, I believe for a lot of us, Tuesday, okay, January 1, is an opportunity that we all look at as something that we can do to, to change things. It's an opportunity for us to turn a page and, and start fresh to get rid of the old and start with something new, or maybe for some of us it's to improve on the success that we had this year. 
Um, I don't know how you usually try to digest stuff and plan things out, but for me, it tends to be that I, I like to focus in on, I, I, I did this unintentionally for years, but I started realizing a lot of times I will focus on a word for a season at a time. Uh, there'll be a season, usually because I'm in student ministry a lot, it's in semesters, right? And so I'll take a semester and I'll think on a specific word or topic or phrase. Over the last few months for me, that word has been honor. And that's what I want to talk about with you guys today as we close out this year. I want to talk about living a life of honor. I want to talk about it because I think a lot of us would agree as a culture, we don't do this well. We, we tend to not honor people and honor God and honor the, the things around us the way that we really need to. Um, have, have any show of hands, if you've heard me speak before, you know I'm very interactive, right? Okay, so I want to make you do some stuff today. Not, nothing weird. Calm down, okay? But uh, I, want, I want this to be interactive. So show of hands, if you've ever heard a speaker say something, or maybe you've scrolled through Instagram or Facebook or something, and a quote or a saying or something that just stuck with you. Come on, show of hands, if you've ever had that happen to you. Okay, these are the people I'm talking to, because I had this experience happen earlier this year. Um, I went to, me and some of the real-life pastors from around the state went to a conference in Alabama. It was a student conference, and we went there to try to see how we can do our conference a little bit better and learn from those, those people doing it so well there. And one of the speakers for that weekend is a, is a, he's a speaker who's personally inspirational to me. Uh, he was a big influencer to me growing up as a, you know, in the college age, my early 20s and things like that. And so it was Louis Giglio, and he gets up to speak at this conference. And the very first phrase that he says when he walks on stage caught me by surprise. And I couldn't, th- I'm, I'm serious, I blacked out for like five minutes after he said it. Because that quote was the only thing I could think of. And the quote was this, honor is the currency of the kingdom of God. When he said that, I was like, that's a great quote. And I wrote it down in my notebook. And I, 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 I thought for myself, I'm just going to write that down and move on and listen to what he had to say. But I couldn't escape that phrase. I don't know if he came up with it or if he heard it from somebody else. But he said that, and I just fixated on it for the next five minutes. And at first, it was like, that's a great quote. And then it was, what does that quote really mean? And so I started to dive into it a little bit, and I want to just share some of what I found with you guys. Um, I think I want to dissect it a little bit to start out. I think we can all, and I'm going to work backwards. I think we can all know what the kingdom of God is. That's you and me. That's it's everything that God rules and reigns, which is everything. Then we look at the word currency. Now, currency means money, right? Okay. Now, I have a, a $1 bill here. Some pastors might get up here and hold a 20 I hold a one because that's what I have, okay? And so this $1 bill has value attached to it, okay, by the U.S. Department of Treasury. It's got a serial number on it. It's signed by the Secretary of the Treasury. It's, it's got watermarks labeled on it. It's just this dollar in the United States of America has the value of $1. Now, if you go to other countries, um, they have currency as well. I've had the chance to go on mission trips where I've been to other countries, and uh, most recently when we went to Macau, they, their dollar equals, uh, eight of their dollars equal one of our dollars, and so the, I remember the first time I went to a McDonald's in China, and I go up there, and I look at the menu, and I see a number one is $35. I'm like, what? <laughs> China's getting ripped off, and then I realized, no, it's, it's, it's times eight, and then I realized it's actually cheaper in China than it is here. But it doesn't matter where you go, if it's a shekel, a peso, a yen, 
a Macau dollar, it doesn't matter. Every country has their own form of currency. Currency equals value. Every currency has its own value attached to it. It doesn't matter where you go in the world, every person values their currency. People will fight over it. People will kill over it. They will steal for it. Currency equals value. So in other words, when we look at that quote, honor is to the kingdom of God the way money is in our culture. Honor is to the kingdom of God the way money is to our culture. In other words, honor equals value. In the, so what is honor? In the Greek, honor is time. Okay? Now, if you're taking notes, it's spelt like time, T-I-M-E, but it's pronounced time, and it means to value or highly esteem, to treat as precious. That's what the word honor means. Let me give you an example. This is a basketball but you couldn't figure that out, okay? It's a basketball. Um, if, you, if you can see up close, this basketball is very worn. Uh, this is actually the same basketball that we use in real life. Any given Wednesday that we're here at the church, you can see about 20-something students hanging out out front. We drag a basketball, we go around. This basketball is out there, and they're, they're, playing, they're playing hoops about 30, 45 minutes before service. And then as soon as we dismiss, they're out there again playing basketball. Um, this basketball is well-worn. Uh, it has been uh, thrown around. You, you, you guys should know teenagers and students by now. They try to do half-court shots with this basketball, okay? Um, there's a reason this is an outdoor sport. Um, this has been left outside. It's been left outside overnight. It's been left in the rain. Uh, this basketball has been kicked, okay? This basketball, though, is also just an ordinary basketball. There's no way that basketball is going to stay there. This is also just an ordinary basketball, I bought this for like 20 bucks about 12 years ago. But if you kick this basketball, I kick you, okay? Because this basketball has more value attached to it. This basketball was signed by members of the 1994 Arkansas Razorback National Championship team, okay? It is precious in my sights, all right? This basketball gets left out in the rain, it gets snowed on, it gets kicked. This basketball stays in this case in my house, okay? It doesn't leave. You don't touch it. You don't mess with it. If I tell our students and stuff, anytime they go, I said, don't, no, just don't, okay? Just leave it alone. It's one of my most prized possessions. I love this thing. It may not mean anything to you if you're a Kentucky fan. <laughs> but to me, this has value. This is the difference in honor. When we honor something, we treat it as valuable. We treat it as precious. My precious, Lord of the Rings reference, Okay? There's a great verse that demonstrates this point, and I want to talk about it. And if you want to go there with me, you can. It's 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. It says this, In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean. And you'll be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Paul is trying to tell Timothy that God does not want an ordinary life for you. He created you with a purpose, with a plan. And he wants so much more for our lives than ordinary. In John 10, 10, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it more, what? Abundantly. Jesus does not want ordinary for us. He wants us to have our life, yes, check, green check mark on it. But then he wants so much more for our lives. 
there are a lot of people who view salvation as the finish line. They look at our relationship with God and say, okay, I've made that decision. I'm good. I'm getting into heaven. Great. Check mark. Done. They view that as the finish line, that they're now the rest of their life, as long as they just kind of stay good, they're good. No. Salvation is the starting point. Salvation is the beginning of a life that God wants for us. That only gets better. Jesus doesn't want to give us life. He wants to give it to us abundantly. So how do we do that? We live with honor. We live our lives with honor. And there's, there's a couple of ways that we can, we can live our lives with honor. Number one, first way is to honor others. You have to honor other people. We're biblically mandated several times to honor people. Um, I mentioned that I had been on mission trips before. And if you've, if you've ever been on a mission trip, in fact, I just want to know who I'm talking about. Who, who here has been on a mission trip? You've been on a mission trip somewhere? Yeah, okay, a lot of people. I love it. Um, we're going to have, inform- just, just a side note, we're going to have information on mission trips for 2019 soon. So be looking for that. But if you've ever been on a mission trip, especially with New Life, one of the very first things they teach you in the mission training is to eat whatever food gets put in front of you. Why? Because it's honoring to the people who spent the time to do it. Um, We went to Guatemala several years ago. And I didn't have a problem with black beans before we went to Guatemala. I quickly started having a problem with black beans. Um, I'm not lying. 85% of the meals we had, black beans weren't just a side. They were the meal, okay? Almost every meal we had was black bean related. Uh, We had, you know, like sautéed black beans, just black beans in a soup, pureed black beans with hot dogs. Who thought that was a good idea? And by day four or five on that trip of having pretty much nothing but black beans, I couldn't do it anymore. I got sick one day. I came down with a bad stomach bug. I don't know if I had drank some, some water that I wasn't supposed to or if I just, was, just got a, a stomach bug. But all day, just you can imagine what I was doing. I'm not going to go into detail. But it was just not a great day for Craig. And that night, we all sit down to have a meal together. And we're going through, we're, we're on these little villages all, weekend long, or all week long. And so it's day four or five, and I'm not feeling great. But we go through the line to get our meal, and it's, it's, a bowl of, it's that bowl of pureed black beans with hot dogs and carrots in it. And I didn't feel good. I really didn't want, if, if I was sitting at home, I probably wouldn't eat anything, maybe some crackers or toast and a ginger ale, okay? But the, I had to, as soon as I got the bowl, I put a smile on, like, thank you so much for this gift. Gracias, <laughs> Okay. Why did I have to do that? Because I'm staring this little old lady right in the face who spent all day working on this, and she had the biggest smile on her face. She was so excited to give me this food because for her, she was showing us honor. She was saying, here, you've come all this way to tell us about God. You're you're reaching people in our village. Thank you. I I had no choice but to say, thank you. I will take this. Why? Because... Honor lifts people up. When given the choice between honor and dishonor, let me tell you, church, choose honor. Always honor. As Christ followers, this should be our default position. Our default position should be to honor other people because honor lifts people up. There are three different people groups that we are biblically called to honor specifically. There's several different verses talking about honoring people, but there's three distinct groups that the Bible talks about. Number one is pastors and church leaders. We're to honor our pastors and church leaders. In fact, 1 Timothy 5.17 says, The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of 
double honor, especially those who work is preaching and teaching. Okay? That includes me. Hi, I'm up here doing that. Okay? If you give your friend a, a Starbucks coffee, you better bring me too. I'm just kidding. Okay? <laughs> but I want to take a moment right now and, and actually work this out. Can we put our hands? They're not here today. Can we get, put our hands together for our campus pastors, Kevin and Robbie? Come on, if you love what they do, we're going to honor them. Let's, let's, keep it, let's keep it going for our serve teams, our kid life teams, our little life, 412. We honor them. And listen, selfishly, I want us to put our hands together for our real life team, okay? Come on, they work with teenagers. Now listen, okay, just being real for a second, if you have a teenager in this place, you should give your real life team triple honor because you know what they're like, okay? You live with those teenagers. You know what we have to deal with. Yeah, okay, yeah. That was just, you're welcome, real life. Okay. Why double honor? Why does it mention double honor? Well, if you've never led in a ministry before, sometimes it's easy for us to, it's hard really to understand the weight of what it means to lead and pastor. Um, sometimes we, we make this joke all the time, but it's easy to make the joke because it's based on actual conversations. A lot of people think pastoring is just showing up on a Sunday and talking for a few minutes. And in all honesty, it, it, sometimes it can weigh, and listen, some of you are in this room are ministry leaders of our church. Maybe you lead other organizations that have a ministry wing to them. You understand the weight that that comes with. Pastoring is a 24-7 job. There is no, you can you try to take a day off. There's often no days off. I remember when I worked a normal job. I've been, next year or next month will be five years that I've been on staff at New Life. And I remember before that working a normal job and going to work at eight and leave at five. And I could shut my brain off at five o'clock on my drive home and, and just not worry about everything that I had to do that day. You don't, you don't often get that luxury when you're doing ministry. I remember earlier this year, uh, I had some, me and my wife had some friends over at our house. We had we had just moved into our new house, actually, and uh, it was the first time we had our friends over, and so we're grilling burgers and having a great time laughing, and I, of course, I, I'm out there grilling, so I get to eat last, and so I finally make my burger, and I sit down to hang out with, with some, it was actually some of our tribe leaders at our house, sit down, and I take a bite of the burger, and my phone rings, and it's one of our students, and he says, hey, Craig, listen, uh, one of my friends, his grandfather just died, and his grandmother is in the hospital, and she's really having a hard time dealing with this. And she really just wants somebody to come pray with her. Do you think you can come? Of course, absolutely. I left my house and the party that we had and go to a hospital and pray with somebody. That's, that's ministry. And some of you, you serve so well and do the same thing. You understand this. But when you honor people in that position, when you're honoring your church leaders and your pastors, you are reigniting a fire inside of them. It's encouraging to them. Why? Because honor lifts people up. You're providing encouragement. You're providing that, that sense of, man, I've, I've got a purpose. I'm going to do this now. I'm going to do it so much better. You're giving them the energy to do it. The second group is to honor those in authority. Listen, you may not agree with the president or Congress or you may, you may have different political views than some people. Maybe you aren't a fan of your boss. Maybe you're not a fan of people who are in authority over you. But we are biblically mandated to honor the people in authority. Romans 13, 7 says, give everyone what you owe him. If you owe respect, then respect. If, you, if honor, then honor. 
We're to give honor where it's due. Number three, our parents. Now, a lot of us, we, we look at this, we're like, we're grown people. This doesn't apply to us anymore. But this is one of the top ten things that God commands us to do is to honor our parents. Exodus 20, 12. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now, I know a lot of parents who will use this and substitute the word honor for obey. <laughs> obey your parent, father and mother. That's not necessarily what it's saying. Remember what our word honor means. It's to value, to hold in high esteem, to treat as precious. You may be sitting in this room today and say, Craig, listen, you didn't know my mom and dad. You didn't know my dad. He, he abused, he, he did not live an honorable life. I want you to write this down, okay? Respect is earned, honor is given. Respect is earned, honor is given. We show honor because it is biblically right to do so. We give them honor for who they are. It doesn't mean you have to agree with everything they do. It doesn't mean you have to obey everything they do. But we give honor because we are biblically asked to do. If nothing else, they gave you life. They may have abandoned you the minute you were born. They, your father may have abandoned you before you were born. But at the very least, they provided an opportunity for you to breathe oxygen in this world today. We show honor because it's biblically right to do so. In fact, our assignment is this. Our assignment is Romans 12.10. I love this. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. We should be fighting each other for a chance to honor somebody. We should be fighting each other, outdoing one another. Any, we need to have the model of anything you can do, I can do better when it comes to honor. If you want your marriage to grow, maybe your marriage is growing further apart and you're not sure what it is, you've tried going to counseling, have you tried honoring each other yet? Even though things may not be going right, are you honoring them in front of people? Are you telling them, I love you, you're doing a great job, nobody else can do that the way you can do it. Well, you want to see your marriage grow closer together, honor each other. Outdo one another. You want to mend relationship with your family? Maybe it's a, a son or a daughter or a, a mom or dad or a grandparent, whoever it may be. If you want to see that relationship get better, try honoring them. Try outdoing one another when it comes to honor. You want to have the best friendships you've ever had? Honor one another. The second way we can do this, the second way we can live a life of honor, rather, is to honor God is to honor God. Now, some of you say, well, Craig, that seems really just basic. I mean, that's, that's right, just honor God. But I think if we're being honest, many of us would say that sometimes we are guilty of taking God for granted. It's really easy to do in Searcy, Arkansas, what I like to call the belt buckle of the Bible belt, okay? It's really easy. If you walk into Walmart, if you go to the store, if you go to your job and tell people, I love Jesus, I'm a Christian, I believe, nobody's gonna bat an eye here. In fact, a lot of times it's the exact opposite. Anytime anything happens in our community, in, in, in this city, even in this state, in this region, that goes against the values that we believe as a church and, and as Christians, that's when it gets, the situation gets hairy and gets awkward and we're not sure we get all up in arms. But just because we know Jesus doesn't mean we always honor Jesus. Look at this story in Mark chapter 6. Jesus is coming off what we would call today a speaking tour. Um, he's going back to his hometown. This is not his birthplace. This is not Bethlehem that we just talked about a couple of weeks or last week. This is his hometown. 
uh, where he grew up. In Mark chapter 6, verse 1 through 4, it says this, Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him, that he, he even does miracles? And then they start asking their, themselves questions. Isn't, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't, isn't this Mary's boy? He's the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, Simon. Aren't, aren't his sisters here with us still? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, only in his hometown among his relatives and his own house is a prophet without honor. Only in the place where he was common is he without honor. We can't treat God as ordinary. When he went back to his hometown, they viewed him as just another person. They had grown up with him. It had become mundane. It had become just an ordinary thing to him. And I think a lot of us get caught up in that trap. It's the same God that we've had our entire lives. He's, I just go to church. I have a relationship with God. I know who God is. I sing the songs. I do the things. I know who God is. And it's important for us to remember that God is a big God. He's a star-breathing God. He's, he's not our homeboy, okay? Jesus is not our homeboy. He's not your friendly neighborhood Bible character, all right? As the great uh, philosopher Ricky Bobby said, he's not a six-pound, eight-ounce little baby Jesus, okay? We have to view Jesus the way that he is, and that is he is a massive, he is the great I am. He is worthy of our praise and honor. He gives life. He raises the dead. He is worthy of it all. We should be so compelled and in awe of who God is that we have no choice but to worship him. We have to remind ourselves to honor God, to hold him as valuable, to hold him in high esteem, as precious. When we label God as ordinary, when we view him in an ordinary way, we limit what he can do. Look at what the, the verse continues to say in Mark. Verse 5, he being Jesus could not do miracles there. He couldn't do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. The Bible didn't say he wouldn't. It didn't say he was offended that they didn't view him and honor him. It said he couldn't. How often do we beg God for a miracle in our lives, but we don't honor him the rest of the time? How often we cry out to God, won't you do this in my life? Why won't you fix this? But 364 days out of the year, we're not honoring him at all. We don't look at him as a God who can actually do it. We have to honor God. We have to look at him as valuable. There's a story, uh, whether you're a baseball fan or not, chances are that you've heard of the name Babe Ruth before. And Babe Ruth was, uh, he was, back in the early 1900s, he was a huge baseball player. He really kind of helped kickstart the movement of America, or baseball being America's pastime. He was a Hall of Famer, two-time All-Star, seven-time World Series champion, 12-time AL home run leader. And there's a story about some autographed baseball bats that he had. There were seven home run bats that Babe Ruth had that ended up get, being given away. The very first one that he signed had gone missing for decades. Um, signed it, gave it away, and it had just gone missing. Turns out Babe Ruth's agent had given it away at a home run contest or something. And for years, the man who had won that 
kept it at his home as like his prized possession. It was like this for me, okay? He kept it as his house. It was worth a lot more than this is. I'm just going to tell you that. He kept it at his house. He treasured that thing. His most prized possession, a Babe Ruth, the very first Babe Ruth autographed baseball bat. Decades had passed. He had outlived everybody in his family. And he's, he's laying on his deathbed. The only person in his life at that point was that left for him to know, care about, love, cherish, was a nurse that was taking care of him. And he's laying on his deathbed, no family around, nobody to call his own. And he looks at this nurse and says, listen, you're, you're the only person in this world right now that I, I love. You've taken such good care of me. I wanna give you my most prized possession. I wanna give you my autographed Babe Ruth baseball bat. This girl, probably like some of you, knows nothing about baseball. But obviously, if it meant that much to him, then it meant a lot to her. And so she took this bat, she put it in a safe place under her bed, kept it in a secure location. And then 18 years go by. Maybe she thinks about it from time to time when she thinks about that man. She falls on hard times, but she has a dream of opening up her own business. So one day as she's trying to scurry together, trying to get collateral, trying to, to earn some money, she remembers that bat. She takes the bat down to wherever you go to to get stuff like that valued. Goes to a sports place, talks to some guys, shows them the bat and says, is this worth anything? Of course the guy's eyes light up. <laughs> Bring in some other people to look at this thing, look at the bat, what, is it real, is it, is it authentic? They say, absolutely, this bat is worth something. Turns out she was able to sell that bat for $1.3 million. She takes the money, starts her own business. Obviously, she doesn't need all the money. So she takes the rest of the money that she has left over and she starts a foundation to serve the kids that Babe Ruth wanted to serve at the end of his life. And she was interviewed one time and a reporter asked, why, why did you take that extra money and start a foundation in honor of Babe Ruth? She looked at the reporter and said, the bat was only valuable because it had Babe Ruth's name on it. What choice do I have but to honor him with it? And I wanna put that in our lives today and say, if we believe Jesus is who he says he is, if we are a follower of Christ, we have his name on our heart. What choice do we have but to honor him? What choice do we have but to give back, to live a life of honor with the people around us? To, the best way that we can honor Jesus is to live our lives in honor for him. To do the things that he's asked us to do. To view him as a big God. If you want to figure out how big God is, go watch, watch a National Geographic documentary about space. You'll quickly realize how small we are and how big God is. To view God as this ordinary, 
mundane, just a normal part of our lives is dishonoring who he really is. He is so much bigger than that. We're compelled to honor him. Psalm 22, verse 23, I'm wrapping up with this. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. I want you guys to bow your heads with me in this place today.